Travis. Bacchus. And your boy, Tony. <laughs> All right, let's get this shit show on the road, boys. Let's hit it. <clears throat> what are you drinking tonight here, Travis? Uh, My favorite mixed drink. Uh, Got a whiskey. Jack and Coke? No, whiskey and sadness. Okay, yeah, I got you. <laughs> the good old whiskey and whiskey. Never goes wrong. You back on the Roman pre-workout kick, my boy? Uh, no, um, I, uh, I upgraded. I got a, got a little bit of Coke tonight, so uh, drinking in style, you know, rum and Coke. Oh, yeah, Bacchus has got a really stiff drink in his bottle. Uh, it's, it's water and grape Pedialyte because he's four years old. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You coming off of something there, Bacchus? You have a rough Tuesday night? Yeah, his period. He's coming. Out his period. <laughs> My bad. I was day drinking yesterday. Got ahead of me. Day drinking on a Tuesday shows us what we're about. <laughs> All right, let's pop this thing off. Anyway, yeah, let's roll into it. All right, so uh, starting with the NFL this week. Uh, good matchups from this past weekend. Uh, first up, Cards Rams. Kind of a disappointing game for the Rams and the Rams faithful, and also. Uh, kind of a a good measuring stick for what kind of Cardinals team uh, we're going to see this year. So uh, definitely like one of the biggest shakeups of the season we've seen. Uh, I, I'd say it takes a crown over Rams Bucks because a lot of people had the Rams at number one, but uh, now we're staring down the barrel of uh, are the Cardinals maybe the team to beat out there in that tough West Division? I yeah, think I mean, so. It's it's definitely trending in that direction, right? They've beat a lot of teams and they beat some teams pretty badly. I you know I thought the Titans win was impressive, but obviously um, we've come to see that the Titans are just kind of not good, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, no, I think the Titans might be good. It's just uh, you're forgetting that them uh, New York Jets are uh, you know just a, a uns- team to be reckoned on the with. up and up, <laughs> an unstoppable force out there in New Jersey. No, but yeah, uh, we we definitely learned a lot there. Uh, I would say, if we're talking quarter season power rankings, there's no way you can't put the Cardinals at the top of that list right now. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I yeah, I mean, you just kind of do the math, right? A lot of people had the Bucks as the number one team. The Rams beat them. It's like, oh, maybe the Rams are the number one team, and then the Rams kind of get you know beat up by the Cardinals at home. So, uh. Definitely, definitely a good one, and definitely a Cardinals team to watch out for. Yeah, that's something um, we're going to be watching real closely. Yeah. I think the uh, the most shocking thing is the, uh, the Cardinals defense uh, really showed up, preventing a lot of scores in that game. Not something I would expect out of them. Well, not yeah. I didn't expect them to play as well as they did against the Rams. They're still a good, still a solid defense. I just didn't think they were going to be that good. Win by seventeen. Yeah, I mean, definitely they're uh, they have a solid defense, and honestly, it's not the uh, it's not the Cardinals' defense that we saw early last year, right? They kind of had some issues, and yeah. they were figuring th- some things out, and they had uh, a defensive weapon in Isaiah Williams that they kind of didn't know how to use. But we kind of saw last year down the stretch, they figured out what his role was, and he started being a, uh, just another impactful player um, on top of everybody else they have on that defense. And now they've added, you know, J.J. Watt just as a, a little sprinkle on top of everything else. Um, so, yeah, definitely definitely a force to be reckoned with in the 
the NFC West. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, while we're talking NFC West, there's another matchup uh, with uh, Seattle and San Francisco. And, you know, a lot of people had San Francisco as their top team in that division. And uh, Seahawks pull off the win. People were ready to write them off. You know, they've been disappointing ever since those, you know, couple of Super Bowl runs. But I don't know. I think Seattle, I don't think they win the division, but uh, they're going to be up there at the end of the day in that wild card discussion. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be terribly shocked to see three NFC West teams pulling off uh, playoff appearances, um, just because they're you know I, I really think they're that good. Um, it's a really tough division, probably at this point, the toughest in the NFC uh, so far this year. And you know, I think it's going to stay that way. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a a path to where that that ends anytime soon, especially if Trey Lance kind of develops into what he's what is foretold that he's going to become. Uh, But moving on down past that, high drama uh, going down in Foxborough, number 12, rolling in, wearing a different color jersey. You know, he got Uh, about the uh, reception that I was expecting where, um, you know, Pats fans were very appreciative, but once that that game started, uh, it it was Mac Jones time. And honestly, like, Mac Jones, Sunday night football, going against Tom Brady in what might be the greatest coming home game ever. Uh, Mac Jones, even even though he took the loss, uh, outperformed Tom Brady, and we, we saw a really good future of what might be held in New England. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, you know, it's not raining. Maybe the, the game goes differently, but at, at the end of the day, if it, if it had stopped raining just by happenstance, I think maybe uh, – the Pats get that field goal at the end of the game and, and walk away with the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, say, yeah, but sorry, I will on. say one thing about that game. Uh, I would like to see Mac Jones start throwing the deep ball more. Uh, I think almost he threw one pass beyond ten yards that entire game. Uh, I would like to see more of that if he's a, you know he's the quarterback. So you got to recognize that uh, th- this is just part of the Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels offense. We saw yeah. that even when Brady was there. The, the only year Brady really threw the ball downfield was that incredible year with Randy Moss when you they, they were just playing Madden on the rookie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, sure. I think I think some of it is like I don't you know, I don't think it's a lack of confidence in Mac Jones or anything um, silly like that. I just I think part of it is um, you know, the the Patriots don't have the best wide receiving core so kind of you know why take the chance on that when it could just end up being a sack because he's waiting for somebody to get open further down the field and they're just not going to um so i, th- I think that has a little bit to do with it also uh, but i mean we know mac jones can throw the deep ball he did it a lot at alabama also on a like a, a more funny note um someone who people have theorized might be the heir to belichick is uh Belichick the second. Um, the did mold? you guys see that that like scene of him just like licking his chops? Just the, tongue out. It was the weirdest forward. thing Boy, I've ready. ever seen on TV. Flicking his tongue around. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was strange. That was some funny stuff. Yeah, but uh, speaking of the Patriots, big Pat's news. Uh, Stephon Gilmore gone. Audi five thousand. Yeah, and something I thought was, like, really weird with that whole situation was the news comes out, and it's the Pats are releasing it, which everyone in the world's like, 
I mean, he has some trade stock. Why are you just going <laughs> to let it walk? And, uh, and it turns out at the end of the day, even though, you know, you got Devontae Adams out here commenting on his Instagram, like, yo, call me. The Packers are in some desperate need of something to keep Aaron Rodgers around. But, uh, you know, well, no, and- uh, the, the Pats did end up, they ended up being a trade. I think they got a six-round pick out of Carolina for him. Yeah, which is a six-round pick. A laughably good value for Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. But, I mean, you know. Well, I mean, just, you know, his contract's coming up. It's a, yep. It's a, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. You kind of got to take that into account. I think uh, the Pats saw last second how much interest there was for him, and they were like, oh, shit, maybe we can get something. Yeah, we might as well get something. And yeah. and also the, the Patriots that kind of, uh, you know, more or less lost their leverage, I guess you could say, because – if you know the news kind of broke that they were going to release him mm-hmm. before they started fielding trade offers, I would imagine. And then it's like, well, you were just going to cut him anyway, so we'll give you this. Well, I can't so imagine a scenario in which they weren't fielding him beforehand. It was just they weren't getting what they wanted, and then they were going to release him, and they decided, hey, something's better than nothing. I mean, I feel like that's that's a tough argument to make, though, because. You know, if they're fielding trade officers not getting what they wanted, but at the end of the day they take a sixth rounder next year, like that's nothing. That's like almost yeah. nothing. Yeah, no, and I don't think that's great, especially when you look at uh, like the Rob Gronkowski trade. Like that man was retired and not coming back, and Brady was like, hey, come back. And Gronk was like, I'll come back to the NFL if the Pats trade me. And the Bucks threw out a third-round pick, which a third-round pick for a retired man is uh, as good as deal as you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, they overpaid, but the, the Bucks are kind of, I mean, it became pretty evident when they, they took on board a, a 42 or 43-year-old Tom Brady that they were they were win now, not later, you know, was the, the standpoint they were coming from. So, yeah, in their, in their scenario, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And honestly, the Panthers are, are really only, in my opinion, a, a couple years uh, removed from being like a competitive playoff team if Sam Darnold keeps playing at the level he's playing at. Yeah, you Leading know, obviously as a Jets fan, uh, I've been saying for years, the <laughs> problem with Sam Darnold was the Jets. It, uh, like, uh, you give the man nothing, and he's going to give you nothing. We're seeing it now with Zach Wilson, obviously. I mean, he's got his yeah. rookie mistakes, but, you know, he's not surrounded by good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was talks that, that maybe, you know, Trevor Lawrence should hang back a year. Since it, they, everybody got that extra year eligibility from COVID, um, there were talks that maybe you know Trevor Lawrence should avoid the Giants or you know the top quarterback should try and avoid the Giants. But so the really, only thing it, I'll say it about seems that, like it should have been Zach Wilson avoiding the Jets. Uh, um, I don't know. Like when you're projected to go top five in the NFL, that's that's guaranteed millions off the bat. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to talk about a really specific incident in which uh, we saw Matt Barkley. Yep. I was projected just about to, to say. go number yep. one overall. And then USC's like, no, listen, we're coming in. We're preseason ranked number one. You're going to have a glorious year. We're going to win a natty. And then the, the whole thing fell apart. Matt Barkley drops to the third round. He sees almost no time. I think he's still backing up somewhere. But he lost out on a lot of money from coming back. And you don't give that up. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, let, um, let, let's move on to our next game. Yeah, moving on. 
Uh, Ravens-Broncos. Pretty interesting game. Uh, not so much from the the game perspective as it is, uh, you know, the Broncos are now in a tough spot. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater seemed like he was a good fit in Denver, and he was playing well, and now he's injured, and they're back to the uh, the Drew Locke show, which did not go very well for them right. last year. Yeah, but, but listen, like no no one really like realistically had the Broncos at the top of their list. They started no. out three and zero, but. They started out three and zero against teams with a combined record at that point was zero and nine. <laughs> like, like it was a, a miracle they got that scheduling opportunity. I do think Denver has a really good defense, and they're only going to get better. But they're not they're not top dogs right now. I think Denver is yeah. also one of those teams that's just a few years away from being competitive. They make the right choices in the off season. I mean, realistically, they're a quarterback away. Yeah. They're, you know, a quarterback and maybe a good running back, a better running back than what they have. I mean, Melvin Gordon is kind of washed. Uh, he's he's outside that window. That seems to kind of be a, a more prevalent thing where – a more and more prevalent thing where running backs get, you know, four, five, six good years and then they kind of fall off a cliff. Um, yeah, and it seems like he's kind of in that spot. So he hasn't been as productive as he was on the Chargers, but I don't know. Maybe uh maybe this Drew Lock thing is gonna turn out to be a good thing in the long run. Drew Lock uh, is never gonna Broncos. be a good thing in any sort of run. Well, I, I mean they're not gonna win a whole lot, you know. Higher in the I draft mean, order. Yeah, that that is a good thing, I guess, in the <laughs> long run if guess, they can lock yeah. down a top ten. Especially with the you know, some of the guys that should be coming out of college this year. I don't know. I just I feel like last year had a lot more talent. This is going to be one of the more disappointing years to get a first overall pick. You're yeah. probably getting Thibodeau out of Oregon, who's going to be a really good, you know, pass rusher. But yeah, it's not going to be that that impactful player that you. Yeah, get it's not. It's not going to be. Around. Yeah, like last year with the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, last year, last year was insane. Um, it is kind of a bad year to be bad. Uh, to to put it kind of bluntly, I guess it's not it's not the best year. Um, but there's guys, you know, that are coming down the pipe. Uh, you know, there's a few guys that are sophomores this year that are just, you know, playing like men possessed. Uh, one that comes to mind specifically in talking in the Broncos scenario is B. John Robinson at Texas. Um, I feel like him on that team would be a recipe for a lot of success for the Broncos going forward if his skills translate to the NFL. Um, but uh, you know, j- just speaking about drafts, um, how bad are the Miami Dolphins kicking themselves right now that they did not take Justin Herbert? <laughs> like I like I don't know. Like you guys know, um, I've had Justin Herbert in my fantasy uh, since uh, last year when Dak Prescott went down, who was my original quarterback, and this man has led me to a lot of success, and I have watched him succeed on the football field over and over and then uh this this win against a surprisingly all right raiders team justin herbert looked phenomenal like what what he a did. great monday night game like yeah man. absolutely it was. speaking of, speaking about that monday night game i don't know if anyone else heard the announcers talking about austin eckler and how uh other people out there don't believe austin eckler is an elite back Austin Eckler is an elite running back. Okay, so I want to throw out 
And again, we're going to hit the fantasy standpoint of um, I have Austin Eckler. Exactly. Um, <laughs> this man, one, threw up like almost 30 points for me this week. Uh, it's thrown up, I think, at least 20 the two weeks before, and they got me like 15 the week before that. Like, I think he... One, he's, he's a very solid rusher, but where he kind of sets himself as like being one of the top backs in the league is uh, he's got that like not quite there, but like the Christian McCaffrey factor, which is he's in the backfield catching passes. Yeah. He's you know what's the, crazy? the leading pass catching running back since 2019. You know what's really crazy? Uh, hearing the only loser on this podcast talk about fantasy football. <laughs> All right, and we want to talk about uh, the uh, the on the lowest scoring two and two team shooting that insult at me. Yo, what's up, dude? Well, my my boys know how to get the work done and then go home. Dude, okay, work smarter, so like, not harder. Fifty like, percent of the like, times they get the work done. I, I went down super hard in that game, and I have three Chargers balling out the first half, and I'm like, and like I have work. I got to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, and I was like, oh, shit, I got to watch this game now. Only for yeah, it to I, uh, out. At halftime, uh, I saw that I still had a pretty comfortable lead uh, in our game, and I made that meme where it was like, you know, me and Bacchus, and I was like, oh, it smells like bitch in here, and it was it was your stinky <laughs> ass in the background. I made that meme, and then I was literally sweating bullets in the fourth quarter, like, oh, my God, well, this could dude, go horribly. You know, because I just have – I have, like, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and Keenan Allen on my fantasy team. Yeah, he throws up. a touchdown to either one of them, and it's 15 points. For yeah, team. and, like, uh, and like guys, Justin I, Herbert I in that first half was just going wild. I think we're getting a little off track. I have some okay, yeah, breaking no, we are, we are, we are. news. Uh, oh, breaking news. Let's hear it. Let's hear uh, it. Lyle Collins, uh, the old lineman for the Dallas Cowboys, is suing the NFL and Roger Goodell. Uh, for those of you who uh, didn't keep up, the NFL is saying that Lyle Collins bribed uh, COVID officials to give him a negative test. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, Breaking that's, as a, of that's, right a, now. that's a no-no in this world. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's not going to win that. But uh... Well, unless he didn't do it. But, yeah, but uh, I, I feel like they wouldn't say he did it if he didn't do it. I don't know. We'll to, you know, we're, we're looking at OJ all over again, writing a book. <laughs> if I did it, this is how I'd do it. Yeah, but uh, that's a that's a pretty quality segue into the next game on our list, which is Cowboys-Panthers. Uh, really good matchup on paper coming in. You get to see what the Cowboys are made out of. You get to see if the 3-0 and Panthers are legit, which I think they are despite the loss. Um, but... Uh, I will say this game was called near perfectly by uh, our very own Tony, which he said on last week's podcast, uh, if the Cowboys get one or two interceptions, they win this game. Uh, And if they don't, I think the Panthers win. And uh, it was, in fact, Trayvon Diggs with two interceptions in the second half uh, that sealed the game for the Dallas Cowboys. The man channeled his brother. The man it's just like I am Stefan now. The man just needs to put on twenty one and become prime time. Because uh <laughs> the way he's trending, he's gonna be an all pro for I mean if he keeps his pace up, he's gonna be an all pro for years and years to come, which is a crazy thing to say about a Cowboys defensive back. Oh no, yeah. He's he's playing just great football. He's really making this Cowboys defense, which was a joke of the NFL last year, 
like into something that's uh, making the Cowboys offense, which when healthy is a great offense, uh, be able to like reach the potential they can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, wildly impressive out of him. Uh, early pick for uh, defensive player of the year. If he also, keeps up uh, the pace. You know, I think I mentioned last week, uh, you got Sam Darnold sitting on the bench, throw him in. Uh, yeah, he dropped like 34. Is, is leading the <laughs> NFL in rushing touchdowns. I was just about to say that. He had two the yeah. last game. He he dropped like a 34 wreck uh, in fantasy. <laughs> so, not too bad. That was something uh, definitely, definitely a waiver wire steal. And and then, I think uh, last time I checked, he was less than 30% rostered, which is insane. Oh, yeah. No, I picked him up. He's my backup right now. Got to represent. I mean, he's gone, but uh, I got I to gotta hit my Jets boys because I can't have them while they're on the Jets. That doesn't turn out well. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> it's, it's more than fair, actually. Um, but uh, one last thing I kind of want to touch on, which we have a little bit before we move on into next week. Um, the turnaround by the rookie quarterbacks, who all had just terrible, terrible week threes, and then turned it around week four. We already touched on Mac Jones, who uh, – you know, Belichick had every spite in him to win that game and push Mac Jones to the limit. Um, one thing I was really excited to see was in San Francisco in the second half when Trey Lance comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, we we haven't gotten a lot uh, to see a lot out of him, but uh, yeah, just kind of you know one or two plays a game, uh, just kind of putting him out there. But uh, he he's definitely looking like he could be that next factor in San Francisco that kind of turns him around. Yeah, I'm uh I'll, I'm definitely excited to see him in his first start this week coming up. Um and then you know obviously I got to touch on it. Your boy Zach Wilson, the truth in New York, bringing the Jets back to glory. <laughs> Zach Wilson was throwing dots in that game. He really was. Like like as much as I want to like really be happy about it, uh, I think this says a lot more about how bad the Titans actually are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know how. I don't know how the Titans are bad. Um, it's almost as if they just decided that they are, and that's it. Like it's over. Well, uh, they they're just are, bad. They are a one-dimensional team uh, with their two best receivers out of that game. Well, uh, and, and then you, you say look that at, um, they were making really questionable play calls, like that in too. the red zone, and it's like, okay, second and seven, most teams would pass. Most teams don't have Derrick Henry, and then especially throw into the mix that um, every time Ryan Tannehill stepped back, uh, he had fucking green nuts in his face. <laughs> yeah, uh... like. It, like it was uh, Ryan Tannehill got sacked, I think seven times that game. Yeah, this Titans O line is bad. He got sacked six times the first game of the season against the Cardinals. And like it, I don't, like it really shows how much Derrick Henry's carrying this team. Like everybody who at the beginning of the season, which I am a, I'll raise my hand right now. I am the number one Ryan Tannehill hater on the planet. I don't think this man has ever been a good quarterback. And when people started putting him in the top ten discussion, it, it infuriated me. Like, he is trash. 
He is trash that has Derrick Henry behind him. He's a system so, guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate the the system guy trope. I think it's I think it's pretty stupid. But, uh, I I feel like Ryan Tannehill gets a lot of hate, and he's not playing well this year. But I mean, last year you're you're talking about a guy who threw five less touchdowns and just one extra pick in comparison to NFL Jesus at the moment uh, in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, like it's. You know, it's not like, it's not like he's bad. I do think a lot of that success is based off of the threat of Derrick Henry, and you know, those might it might be a lot of less than ten yard touchdown throws. But like, when he has to throw the ball, he does it pretty well. Well, think about it. Think about it if you're an NFL coach and you're game planning. All right, yeah. Fucking Brian Tannehill's looking good because they're looking at uh Derrick Henry, who just is a absolute force of nature there is earth wind fire wind and fucking derrick henry i said wind twice and no water um <laughs> zero water i got her all in but, this uh, water bottle but uh there there's derrick henry twice in that occasion sure i mean like i i get it i'm just saying like i don't think that that was more in response to the the one-dimensional comment it's that the titans do throw the ball um, they just don't do it at like yeah. a Dallas Cowboys, but Kansas their, City Chiefs pretty level. Much all of their throws are based around the play action, which only works if you're give, giving Derrick Henry the ball and he's the threat. So if they're not going to give mean, him the ball, that's that's really kind of a silly point because a lot of the also, passing game in the NFL is built around play action, and not everyone has Derrick Henry. Uh, so but just the, establishing just the a run Titans game. Use it more than the any Titans, other team. Even when the Titans were giving Derrick Henry the ball in situations where the Jets knew they were giving Derrick Henry the ball, the Titans were going downfield. We saw it a lot towards the end of the game where uh, you had like do-or-die situations with a couple yards to go. And even the announcers are like, there's no way in the world this isn't Derrick Henry. And there's Derrick Henry getting the job done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think – I don't really know what happened to the Titans. Uh, maybe they bounce back. Maybe they don't. But uh, I don't really think this means anything for the Jets. Uh, you know, glad they got the win. Glad they pulled one out. They may pull out one or two more. But they're, uh, they're top three overall pick in the, in the upcoming draft for mm. sure. I think uh, they end up falling to around five. I think they slide out a couple wins against um, a not-great New England team and a uh, battered-up Dolphins. <sighs> I mean, remains to be seen. It's I not... mean, yeah, obviously we'll see. Um, and obviously I put more faith in the Jets than most. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who their, their out-of-division schedule is this year. Based off the fact that they played the Titans at – it might be the AFC South, and if it is, they're going to get more, uh, more wins. But uh, I don't know. I think that's a good segue uh, going into next week because we've kind of been hitting on this a lot. But uh, they just play the Falcons out in London. Uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about this, but um, I think the the Falcons put it off just because uh, they have a way better offense. 
and yeah, I mean, aren't good. I don't, I don't have any illusions about the Jets winning that game. Uh, it's, it's probably going to be like a close-ish game just because the Falcons are really bad. But I don't think that the Jets really find a way to win. Yeah, I would agree, especially um, with fucking nine thousand-year-old Cordell Patterson, the yeah. dual threat uh, out here, and Ryan Tannehill's new favorite, or not Ryan Tannehill, Ryan fucking. Uh, Matt Ryan's uh, <laughs> new favorite target. The Ryans, yeah. man. They're getting at me. So many of them. Uh, yeah, speaking of Cordell Patterson, uh, just to jump into fantasy real quick, uh, if Cordell Patterson is available in your league uh, as of this week, uh, pick him up. Like, I think in PPR leagues, uh, he's like the number two scoring running back right now. On not a whole lot of touches. I think he saw six touches uh, in that last game against uh, the football team. Okay, Tried so I kind of want to touch name. on that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of hype on him, especially after this week. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's going to drop off at some point. If, but, if, you you're, if you're hurting at flex, yeah. Get him. Put him in. Yeah. Um, but what we saw last week will be his highest scoring game of the year. I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah. hard to beat thirty four points. It doesn't really matter who it is. I, he like I, I think you know he he has a couple more fifteen to maybe twenty more point games in him, but um, I wouldn't buy the hype of this week. Well, all, all I'm trying to say is if you need a flex option this week against the Jets, it's Cordell Patterson if he's available. Oh yeah, don't, obviously. Like, if don't if, sell the if house you had him on him, your but... bench, or if you're just really hurting right now and he's available. He's a solid flex. I'll go sort of in the opposite direction. Uh, I say keep him keep him one more week, start him against the Jets, uh, and then sell high before next week. Uh, see if you can get something going in the trade market for him. Definitely would be my advice on him. Because I, I think, you know, maybe he's a 10 to 15 point guy a week for the rest of the year, but if you can get somebody else um, who's got a little bit more upside... Uh, um, I, I am a big fan a- of the sell high, um, much to the, uh, anger of a lot of my league. I sold Antonio <laughs> high or Antonio Brown quite high after week one for Keenan Allen. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of a, it's worked out. Oh, I mean, I would rather trade. have Keenan Allen, but yeah, obviously Antonio Brown has not done anything since week one. Yeah. He should have had like a 50-yard touchdown catch against the Pats, but, you know, that that's neither here nor there. Moving past that mm-hmm. trash can of a game uh, <laughs> to what could be the best game of the week, maybe. Depends on how things go. But uh, definitely he's got a shot at being game of the week is the Thursday night game. Uh, and that's wild because normally yeah. we get trash out of Thursday night. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, it's, it's Thursday night. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Thursday night's. <laughs> Usually, like, trash teams, but for whatever reason, they always end up being close games. But this time, we've got good teams. Um, and also, speaking to a little bit of the, the sports gambling advice here, the over is 54.5, which is pretty high for an NFL over. Mm, yeah. However, uh, the Seahawks can score and the Rams can score, so I think it's a real possibility. Um, I don't know, you know if I, I think a 54.5, though. I mean, I could see this being a... A close, you know, 28-31 type game. Um, 
So, you know. No, we'll it, it's definitely but, gonna be close. They're two good teams. I think the Rams are better, but uh, you know, you're never safe going into Seattle. Yeah. Um that's true, uh, for sure. The the fact that it's a home game for the Seahawks really is is what makes it a better game. because um, I think the Seahawks on the road probably not gonna realistically have a shot, but So let's talk about um, kind of a better game we got coming up this week with uh, the Browns and Chargers. We got the Chargers at home. What, what, what do you guys feel on this? Uh, I mean, I I like it. I think it's I think it's a good one. Uh, the Browns have a a good defense. They kind of played a slop fest last week um, against the the Vikings. Definitely a real barn burner. It was like fourteen seven. It was the final score. wasn't wasn't a great game, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But I think this is going to be a lot better. I think it's going to be a yeah. pretty high scoring game because uh, just the Chargers defense isn't that great, and the Browns defense is good, but I just don't think it matters. Um, as long as the Chargers stay out of their own way, I think I think it's going to be a yeah. good one. Uh, the Browns and oh, I'll touch to that at the end of my point that the Chargers got to stay out of their way, but uh. Browns definitely got to prepare this week for a probably one of the higher power offenses they will play this yep. year. And they're playing them at home, which, you know, I know the whole trope of L.A. doesn't really like the Chargers, but they like the Chargers more than the Browns. Um, not a lot of Browns yeah. fans in L.A. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think Justin Herbert is really, really clicking with this new offense behind their new head coach. And I think we're going to see another game where he throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns. And how the Browns respond to that is going to be what decides this game. Hopefully with uh, some good drives by Baker Mayfield. uh... Is OBJ back in our lineup yet? Uh, yes, I, I think he's back, yeah. Yeah, yeah he played, I, I he heard played last week from against him the Vikings this year. Yeah, I mean, he, he was injured up until yeah. the, this this past week with the Vikings was his first game. Yeah, okay, he um, only had two catches last week. so Yeah, he didn't do a whole lot, but yeah. that's kind of typical of it's, – it's usually pretty typical of first weeks. Yeah. If somebody's first week back off an injury, they don't usually play too hot. Mm-hmm. But uh, moving past that one um, – yeah, maybe oddly good game in a Packers Bengals. It's a road game for the Packers going into Cincinnati. See, so if this were in Green Bay, I would take the Packers by a hundred. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you know the Bengals have just been feisty this year. I like, like despite it. being yeah. labeled as like one of the worst teams. Um, I I think this is going to be a good game that the Bengals don't come out on top of, but you're gonna. It's going to be contested. Yeah, it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Rodgers yeah. isn't going to get a walk in the park in this one. Yeah, but by no means are the, you know, the Bengals going to get walked over. Um, I will say they're they score points, but uh, they don't score that many points. <laughs> um, they their their highest point total of the year so far was in week one. 
against the Vikings, and that game went to overtime. And they only scored 27 points. So uh, I think that they're – I don't think they're going to get the win unless something kind of changes. Um, and it also, you know, Joe Burrow's kind of thrown a, a, sur- a surprising amount of picks through the first four weeks of the season. Um, so maybe if he cleans that up a little bit, uh, they keep it a little bit closer. Uh, this but, Packers defense isn't too tough. I think he probably throws yep. one. And but Jair uh, Alexander is is hurt, which is their number one corner. So mm-hmm. that's uh, definitely going to play a factor in this game. Uh, another kind of exciting one, especially from the standpoint of uh, getting to see a rookie QB uh, in what now seems to be like a, a better situation. Uh, the Bears came back and kind of ba- – they uh, bounce back against the Lions this week, um, but they've they've got the Raiders coming up, uh, and you know the Raiders coming off a a tough loss to a, a division rival at home. So and, the Bears uh, made uh, a really key adjustment this week, uh, which obviously led uh, a lot more success out of them, in that Matt Nagy wasn't calling offensive plays, and. Um, even though the Raiders have looked tough this year, this one I'm, I'm throwing up in the air. I'm not high on the Raiders. Uh, I think they're going to get this one pretty, pretty handily, but I don't think they are as good as their record shows. Uh, I think a, a lot of this game is going to come down to the the lack of, uh, I don't know, solidity. I guess you could say. Um, on the Raiders offensive line and then the Bears pass rush, right? They've got Khalil Mack, who's always a threat, and they also have, uh, you know, the likes of Akeem Hicks and, and Roquan, Roquan Smith who can get after the quarterback. Uh, I think Derek Carr's going to be under a lot of pressure, um, and that could be the difference maker in the game, and I think the Bears have a real shot to, uh, to pull one out. It's 50-50. Like, I'm looking at the ESPN matchup predictor right now, and uh, they have the Bears at 37.4% chance to win, which I think is kind of disrespectful to that defense and a little bit to the height of Justin Fields. Yep. Uh, And then just to – never mind. Uh, Another game – Another toss-up game, really, this week. Um, Bills-Chiefs. You know, I don't don't see the Chiefs dropping two at home this year. But, I mean, that Bills team is good. And they don't don't entertain the idea of late comebacks. They're going to keep trying to score touchdowns until it says 4-TH-000 on the the game clock. So... uh, so this yeah, may think, this might not be uh, that like Chiefs team we saw last year where they're just an unmovable object. Um, they have their but at home. I, I I really don't see the Chiefs dropping two games. I mean they could just because this Bills team is really good. Um, like like you said, this, this is a to go. It's a toss-up for ESPN, too. They got it at about 50-50. Yep. Uh, and then, man, that's 
that is pretty much it for this upcoming week as far as good games go. Uh, one thing I did want to touch on before we move on, a uh, little, little gambling sauce in here. Browns Chargers, the over's 46 and a half. Uh, you'd be kind of dumb to not take that one. I, 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 kind of, I hit that one. I yeah. Really yeah. Hit that one. I don't, Unless I don't the think Browns that one hit. shit the bed, I think the Chargers are going to show up. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the only way that that over doesn't hit is if the the Browns just show up and and lay an egg. Um, yeah. So moving on to our uh, NFL weekly locks powered by DraftKings, Ooh, uh, not sponsored right. by, not <laughs> sponsored by, powered by. Yeah, legal disclaimer, uh, not sponsored yeah. by. We're just looking at their their lines, and uh, yeah. we're going to be taking our picks. Uh, we're going to be keeping these records going on the season, have a little competition between the three of us. Yeah, so uh, first one we got here is the uh, Washington football team. Uh, home underdogs against the Saints. Uh, DraftKings has Washington at plus 115, and the Saints at minus 135. Back is who you got. Uh, I got the Washington uh, football team. I think Taylor Heineke just finds a way to get it done. Um, so I don't think uh, either of these teams performed too greatly last week, but um, I'm gonna take the Saints in a nail biter. All right, I'm taking a. As you'll see, it's about to be a theme. Uh, I'm taking the home dogs. I uh, like me a good home underdog, and I, uh, you know, they, the football team had to fight through some adversity last week. Uh, the Falcons did Falcon shit uh, and blew a lead, um, but you know, the other half of that is the football team had to fight through and and keep scoring um, and finish the comeback to to get the win. So uh, I like the football team. Next one, uh, one of the ones we talked about previously, and that's uh, Browns on the road. Uh, in L.A. playing the Chargers. DraftKings has the Browns at plus 105 and Chargers at minus 125, which I think is a, is a pretty good indicator of, of how close of a game this should be, provided both teams show up. Um, what do you got, Tony? So um, I think the Browns definitely have one of the most uh, talented teams in the NFL. But I think the Chargers do edge them out, and I think at home um, – I really think we're seeing the emergence of what is going to be a really good rivalry between Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes as quarterbacks in this division. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the Chargers in this one. All right, Bacchus. Yeah, I got to agree with Tony with pretty much everything he said. I think it's going to come down to Justin Herbert uh, playing Justin Herbert football, beating the Browns at home. Uh, yeah, to make this uh, super exciting, uh, I'm also going to take the Chargers. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't feel, you know, based off last week and based off the Browns trend to just kind of to to lay eggs against good teams every now and then, uh, I, I think the Chargers are going to get this win pretty handily. Um, next up, got our Thursday night game again. Uh, Rams Seahawks in Seattle. Uh, Seahawks are plus 120. Rams are minus 140. Uh, I'm taking the home dogs. I think the Seahawks get this one done. Uh, the Rams are good, but the Seahawks are good. And uh, can't, Playing as far as home, home field advantages go, 
yeah, as far as home field advantages go, I mean, it's Seattle and Kansas City are, are up there at the top. You know, maybe sprinkling New Orleans, but but Seattle's home field advantage is is definitely exactly that. It's an advantage for them. So, uh, I'm taking the 12th man in the Seahawks. See, so I'm gonna disagree with you here. The Rams are coming off a really tough loss, and um, I think that Seattle defense uh, it's definitely not the Legion of Boom anymore. Um, so I think uh, they're gonna they're gonna come back. They're gonna play hard and. Uh, in probably what will be a three-point differential shootout coming down to the last second. I take the Rams Thursday night. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to side with Tony on this one, too. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game, just like everyone else. Uh, and for some reason, Seattle just finds a way to lose close games. Got to be Rams. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then the last one, probably the toughest one to call. Um, Bills Chiefs uh, Chiefs are uh, At home for this one uh, What are you guys thinking? So um, I really like what the Bills have put out And the Chiefs have definitely had their share of disappointing losses But at home You know just This Chiefs team You know Patrick Mahomes really just has to throw the ball downfield and Tyree kills down there. Um, it's going to be close, but uh, I'm, I'm putting the Chiefs over the Bills in this one. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just have to agree. I don't see another way. Um, you know, they're, they're slight favorites. Uh, minus 145, Bills are, are plus 135. You know, it's it's going to be a close game uh, just because of high-powered offenses and, and kind of lackluster defenses. I do think the Bills have the edge in defense, um, but I think ultimately uh, just kind of a, a will-to-win thing on, on behalf of the Chiefs, um, not wanting to lose again at home. So I'm, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. Uh, I'm going to agree with everything you said, except for about the Bills' defense being lackluster. Uh, this is pretty good. This is a pretty solid defense uh, this year with the Bills. Kansas City doesn't have that, uh, but they do have Patrick Mahomes uh, and Tyreek Hill, which I don't think anyone of the Bills' defense is keeping up with Tyreek Hill. So Chiefs are a close one. All right, and uh, moving out of our weekly locks, got the uh, the much anticipated segment of Urban Meyer hot seat watch. Which holds a double meaning this week. Oh, boy. Like, I, am, yeah. I am so Oh, my God. Only, we we got to get into this. Not only is his coaching seat hot, the seat of his pants also a little bit hot. Yeah, a little like, hot-blooded in the loins for Urban Meyer this week up yeah, in Columbus. Yeah, you know, we, we all saw that first video where he's just got this 22-year-old grinding on him. But um, days later, a second angle comes out. Where, where this man, after taking four straight NFL losses, is trying to put a finger through Levi Denim into a 22-year-old bundle. The original blue jean. And, okay, and he, well, thinks, he thinks he's better. got a shot. So so this is at his bar named after him, right? In Ohio. Yeah, Urban yeah. Meyer's Pine House. Yeah, yeah. With a, with a picture of him and his wife. That that's on exactly the wall. what I was getting at. <laughs> his wife. Big picture of him and his wife on the wall. Well, he's just 
fondling away. <laughs> I mean, look, I gotta respect the man for trying to get fired so epically hard so he can go take the USC job. He wants it uh, so bad. It's still, it's still incredibly sleazy, and it is, you know, par for the course. This is the Urban Meyer method. Like, th- this uh, is just I, something I, I did I, not see coming. And, like, there's also I, tweets coming out of, like, a... In the oh, locker room. Oh, he's yeah. Not, he's not respected. He wasn't respected coming in, and now he's just losing respect. It, he has no respect. He can't lose anymore. Uh, he, on, I think it was Monday, uh, he didn't hold a team meeting about this this controversy. He met with each individual player group to talk to them specifically. Uh, whatever player leaked this information said... Uh, that no one took him seriously and then as soon as he left the room they just all started dying laughing uh and then in response to that i think urban meyer found out about these tweets and then finally today called a full team meeting today uh and i think the damage is done i think they have no respect for him at this point uh he may finish out the season i don't know I think he ends up finishing out the season, but I'll agree with you. This is a team in dismay. This is a team that has no respect for their head coach. And this is a team that um, might go 1-16. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be good. Uh, honestly, you know, maybe the Jags front office kind of plays the long con on this one. Uh, fires him after the season, but uh, keeps him for the season. Uh to try and get up there and get Thibodeau out of Oregon um, to help solidify their defense a little bit. Not a bad play for the Jags. Nobody expects them to do anything really anyway. Uh, I think it was kind of a, a long-term thing with Urban Meyer to begin with. And it's like we have Trevor Lawrence. We want Urban Meyer to come in and kind of develop the offense around Trevor. Um, so I don't I don't think they had any expectations of winning anything really this year. But uh, everything's kind of falling apart. Um and honestly, in my opinion, this might just be the the permanent end for Urban Meyer um, because I don't even know if USC is going to want to hire him. I mean, they may, but I think USC is he going to is... do any good there? So USC... I think USC, before this scandal, was hoping he'd get fired so they could hire him. But now this adds a whole new element to everything. Also, I'm pretty sure USC is also just coming off a uh... – Scandal, and I don't think they want to be in the news anymore with that. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I heard some talks about it uh, this week, and in relation to Urban Meyer, uh, about how that is not something that their AD is going to want uh, around campus. Yeah, and and honestly, if there's if there's one thing, one controversy that America as a populace is really not okay with is it's something like that where you're kind of publicly. Uh, adultering upon your wife <laughs> basically yeah, like, in front of a family photo. You know, it, it doesn't look like he's doing anything non-consensual. Like, this girl's all about you know, getting yeah, her at the end of the day, of it's, fame it's with Urban, Urban Meyer. fucking Meyer. Like, but, you know, he's still cheating on his wife. Literally yeah. looking above him from the rafters of the bar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a hell of a Snapchat story for her. Um, and now she's, you know, her face is all over the, the internet and the world. But, um, yeah, I think I think Urban Meyer's basically cooked. Excited to see kind of where it goes from here if he if he finishes out the season. Um, something we touched on earlier, though, another hot seat coach uh, in Matt Nagy. 
Um, pretty big turnaround now that Matt Nagy's not calling plays. I think uh, he, so he really, really helped himself out by uh, stepping back from the offensive play call. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in the long run, if the if the Bears keep playing like they did last week, they it could have saved his job. Um, he still might get fired, but, you know, he pulled and, out um, six or seven. I don't see him getting fired. I, I'm still on kind of a, a long stretch, but um, if they keep playing like they're playing, what's happening with Mike Vrabel? I don't I think, think he gets fired this year, but he's heading towards the path of it. Yeah, I, I think he. I think his job is secure until next season, even if Tennessee continues like they're playing right now. Yeah, I think, I think Mike Vrabel's situation is hurt a little bit uh, by success early on in his tenure. Um, I think, you know, in comparison, this is awful, but it's not that he's an awful coach. It's just, you know, it, it, it's kind of a question of how he handles it going forward more than it is um, just the fact that they're losing. Because, you know, every now and then pretty good teams just have kind of down years. Um, and really, it, it may be as simple as, you know, Tannehill's not the truth and they need a new guy. Um, but if, if that's the case, it's, it's going to be a long road to get there uh, unless – a certain reigning league MVP comes down from Green Bay, <laughs> which would be wild, and the the Titans would, which just cold be running shit if if number twelve was a uh, was playing for the Titans. I personally think if he leaves, he's going to Denver. But this is probably a topic for a later down the season type of thing. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah. So that concludes our our hot seat watch and. And that'll close out our our NFL segment for this week, and we'll be on to college uh, after our halftime show. All right, take it away, Bacchus. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's roll. Uh, let's roll out of this halftime into some college football. Uh, so last week in review, little situation we got going on. Uh, disappointing one for me. Uh, Arkansas got waffle stomped by the University of Georgia. Easy. Uh, you know, it was. Yeah. No. Uh, we 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 all missed on our upsets. <laughs> um, yep. USC ended up taking Colorado pretty handedly. Uh, I forgot what Travis. Mine was, was Arkansas. But it was pretty bad too. <laughs> it was Arkansas to beat Georgia, and they did not. Uh, and that did not even sort of the, happen. The only correct uh, call Arca- I had. Arkansas looked like a, a junior mighty Mike Pop Warner team against Georgia. Yeah, I, I will say that my uh, my gambling picks last week were uh, two and three, which is is not bad uh, for sports betting. Uh, you know, I I called right along with Bacchus. Uh, I called K-State, uh, Kansas State that is, Oklahoma being a close one, uh, and it was. Uh, they they covered that 10.5 point spread pretty easily, and Boston College covered against um, Clemson, who is just bad, and it's very clear at this point. Uh, they did... I mean, if we're talking gambling points, um, 
I was the only one who knew that Alabama was going to destroy. <laughs> that is a fact. Yeah, uh, that, is that was one of the ones I was wrong on. Um, yeah, that, yeah. That, that was also a tough game. But uh, this Arkansas-Georgia game, I mean, Georgia is – I don't understand why they're still number two. I mean, you do that to the number eight team, and this, this Arkansas team is really – I mean, even after that game, there's they're still no slouches. Uh it's because you can't discredit what Alabama has done to this point and has done this year, which is why until Georgia and Bama play each other, which will probably be an SEC championship, uh, Georgia's going to stay number two no matter how many games they win and by how convincing. Yeah, and I think Bama's case was helped a decent amount by them essentially doing yeah. what Georgia did to Arkansas to Old Miss this week. Yeah, that's that score is mm-hmm. nowhere near as close uh, or – that score is closer, much closer than the game was. Uh, I mean, they they won by four touchdowns, so it uh, wasn't really a close score or a won, close game. It was four. It was forty-two twenty. But uh, let, let's three. talk about. Um, was it at let, the end? Yeah. That, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize. Uh, last I that, saw, uh, it was it was thirty-five-seven. I didn't realize that that uh, Ole Miss got some garbage time. Yeah, points. they gave it up in garbage time. That's <laughs> yeah, whatever. But let's talk about um, the number three team in the nation last week, which is heartbreaker for them. Yeah. Who? Um. Okay. So first half of that game, Stanford outplays them. They're winning, and then you roll into the second half, and it's like, okay, that's a number three team in the nation. Oregon is just waffle stomping them until the last minutes. And uh, I, I think this was probably the best game in the week. Yeah. In which. We see an Oregon team on the cusp of victory. They're just they're running the clock out. They're down on the Stanford side of the field. Boom. False start. Very next play. Boom. False start. There's still two minutes left. Stanford has a timeout. What does Oregon decide to do on three and twenty? Pass the ball. Which ends the game. Which ends the game right there. Because they get an incompletion. They don't get the time off the clock. They don't make they or they don't make Stanford burn that time out. And then Stanford takes the ball. And the mistakes for Oregon are not over. Like I think Travis brought it up last week. Um, sometimes you don't watch a team get beat. Sometimes you just watch a team lose a football game. Actively. Actively loose. Which is very actively what Oregon did this week. Because Stanford takes the ball. And they're driving. They're doing whatever. And then probably the number one overall pick in this year's draft, Thibodeau, gets a targeting call. And that's 15 yards. And Stanford goes down. And then uh, their quarterback uh, out of Stanford, who looks like he's dead, fucking McKee, uh, turns out is not dead, and comes back, throws two plays down the middle. They're still, they, they need a touchdown to tie this game. But they're still out of range. And then you get probably one of the more questionable calls of the game, which is a roughing of the passer. I don't agree with it. The announcers didn't agree with it, but it's what was called. And now Stanford's in striking distance. And they do it, and they go down. They get to fourth down. 
game clock, nothing left. Throw into the end zone. What do you get? The classic, the pass interference. One more play to tie this. And Stanford's quarterback drops down one of the tightest dimes I have ever seen in college football to tie this game. And at this point, when this happens, it's demoralizing for Oregon. There, there's no, like, going into overtime, no one has any doubt that Stanford's going to win this game. And so Oregon wins the coin flip. They decide to defend. Stanford goes on the attack, and no one has any question in their mind that they're scoring a touchdown. They score a touchdown. Oregon takes a field. They choke. This game should have been over had it not been for false starts, targeting, and roughing the passer. Oregon imploded on themselves. They would be still the number three ranked team in the country had they not lost on their own. And that's all I have to say about this game. Um, as a Pac-12 fan, as much as I love UCLA, I just I really would like to see the Pac-12 succeed. But uh, th- this was a bit demoralizing. Yeah. Uh, Profound. This- this, Profound. Uh, this implosion by Oregon is, I think, something you see every year with, uh, you know, some of the highly uh, highly touted teams that aren't used to that kind of success. Uh, normally just happens later in the year, so it's kind of shocking that it happened in week five. Well, you can't even call Oregon a team that isn't used to success. Like, you look at the last 10 years, and Oregon has played in two national championships since uh, the playoffs started. I think they made it once. And, uh, you know, since Pete Carroll left SC, Oregon has been the top dog in the Pac-12. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to see, and, and, you know, I think – Part of the reason why, you know, Oregon's now sitting at eight despite losing to an unranked Stanford, um, I think is just that, right? They they should have won this game, and then it all just kind of fell apart because of penalties and other things right at the end. Um, and it, you know, I guess you could say it, it took going to overtime for them to lose, but, you know... They still shouldn't have. They were the number three team in the country. But I, I think that's kind of why they, they retained uh, a top ten ranking despite that loss. And also... No, and, and exactly. It's like um, a number three team can take a close call against an unranked team and still stay number three. But when you're making that many mistakes, you're proving why you don't belong as the top dogs. Because the top dogs don't make those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, you really kind of basically yeah. hit everything there yeah. is to say. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I still think you know Oregon really is the team to beat in the pack, and I, I think despite this loss, they're gonna they're gonna finish out a one loss Pac twelve champion. Um, so they they still have a path to the playoff. It might involve a little bit of help. It might not. It depends how much uh, the you know, playoff rankers decide. Yeah, it, 
how valuable the top or the pack really at is. the end of the at the end of the day what this game means is Oregon has lost the ability to control their own destiny they need some things to go their way um, namely right so this week we've got Penn State Iowa um, and they're three and four in the country they have to play each other yeah and obviously one of those teams is obviously going down. one of those teams is going down and that's going to end up with uh, probably I you know it's kind of a shame if they don't right like if Iowa loses and they only drop to four, that's that's kind of bullshit. But um, it 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 There's should no mean way. Iowa loses and they drop to six, six seven, eight. Seven. Yeah, um, it should mean since he is the number four team in the country, and then with an with a with a loss later on down the line, uh, perhaps in the Big Ten championship. Um, so now you've got a team that was number three with one loss. Maybe since he moves up to three, and then the four spot is kind of up in the air, right? You could potentially have, you know, uh, there could be three one-loss Power Five conference champions all trying to make their best case for that number four spot, uh, and it's just going to kind of come down to whatever the the college football playoff gods decide as to who gets in at that point. Um, yeah, but again, uh, this, this kind of comes down to, like, the fault of the college playoff. In that, like, it's just someone deciding. Because, like, say Oregon wins all their games, like, just outright. Like, they obliterate everyone. And there's an undefeated Cincy team. Who do you put in at number four? A one-loss power conference or an undefeated Cincy? Yeah, I mean, I agree completely, you know. I think this year in particular... This year in particular is a is a year that's going to make a really good case for a an expansion past four mm-hmm. teams. Um, yeah, let's uh let's let's uh hear back as it. Yeah, what you, what you got? Back I, I was just gonna come, I was just gonna talk about Cincinnati. Uh, and one, I'm really glad that I'm not on the committee. <laughs> I have to make this decision. Uh, Cincinnati uh, beat Notre Dame pretty soundly. They looked good in that game, uh, but the rest of their schedule, it's easy. Uh, this is the one test they that they had all season. Unfortunately, uh, they're kind of banking on you know, Indiana being good, and they're not. Or, sorry, not Indiana. I don't think. Well, they're banking on a team being good that it didn't turn out to be good. It was Indiana. Fuck. Uh, but yeah, like the rest of your schedule is easy when they get in the conference play, except for SMU. Uh, so it's pretty likely that they went out. Um, they're sitting at number five with the chance to move up to number four after this week, but I don't think they stay there, unfortunately. So, uh. but so like uh, that, that's what I'm saying is uh, how much of an effect is being in a Power Five conference take? Like, um, I don't know. Anyone who watches Pac-12 football knows that there is not an easy win in that conference. Also, Big because, Twelve. If the conference yeah. ends in twelve. Uh, there's no such thing as an easy win. Yeah, like, uh, like, like the Pac-12, like you could just take the worst team and by far the best team, and it won't even be indisputable by talent. But that game is not going to go. It's a fucking it one-score game every single time. Yeah. yeah, like, like the the Pac-12 just has most the most exciting football, I think. Uh, I mean, because you you just got you got people throwing. 400 yards and eight interceptions. <laughs> and, um, 
Yeah. And like, like I it, it's exciting. And, you know, there's a lot of people on the East Coast who just want to like write off the Pac-12. It's just like the bottom of the Power Five. But yeah. they don't realize. The ACC. They don't like, realize that the ACC just... is the bottom of the Power Five. That's what they don't <laughs> fucking realize. Yeah but, yeah, but also like the Pac-12 just continues to beat up on it. That's the fun part about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a uh, kind of a par for the course for the, the Pac and the Big 12. Like, like um, over... honestly, I, I, I love, um, just because I was someone from the West Coast and meeting you guys from uh, the East Coast, I love the term... Pack twelve after dark, because you're always gonna get a thriller in that hey, game. Say I'm from the East Coast one more fucking time, Tony. See what the fuck happens to you. Hey, okay, whatever. South. Okay, no one knows where you're from. Are you from Louisiana or Texas or Vermont? No hey, look, it doesn't fucking matter. The point is, I'm not from the East Coast. Uh, listeners, that's not a joke. It could be all three of those states. We just don't know. Yeah, you could take your pick, honestly. But. Yeah, anyway, a- a- any day of the week, Travis decides he's from another state. It's because I've lived in a what lot. A- Jesus, you know what? This right, is not fucking bullying me. This is college track. football. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk fucking, we've talked about him a lot already, but let's talk Cincy Notre Dame. And one of the big, big okay. things I want to talk about this game is I hate where this was in the season for Cincinnati. Yeah. I really do. I think that if this is a... Mm-hmm. A later game for them, and Notre, Notre Dame is coming in week 10, week 11, undefeated to play Cincinnati, who's, you know, still undefeated in week 10 or 11. I think that has a lot more impact on Cincinnati's playoff chances. Because um, now Cincinnati is counting on Notre Dame winning out um, and keeping a good ranking, so that still looks like a quality win down the line. Uh, and I, I think Notre Dame has a shot at doing that. They're a good football team. Um, and honestly, they legitimately got manhandled by Cincinnati, right? The, in the first half, they did not score a point, and Cincinnati dropped 17 on them. The second half... Well, I mean, you got you got to recognize their, their starting quarterback went down. Sure, but the guy they had come in was uh, either a junior or a senior, I'm, I'm not sure, but he's been in that system. He's been with Notre Dame for years. He He's the best situation or the, the best circumstance of a backup that you're going to get in college football. Um, he was someone that people were looking at as like, hey, we should put this guy in in certain circumstances. Yeah, he's, and, uh, I, I think he proved that he's, you know, to, to meme it, you're not that guy, yeah, pal. You're, you're not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. Uh, but realistically, I mean, Notre Dame scored one touchdown. They got in the end zone one time in this game against Cincinnati which just goes, you know, c- continues the trend of, of that Bearcat defense being uh, a tough defense to play against. And I, 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 in my, in my heart of hearts, I know there's a pretty good chance that Cincinnati somehow finishes the season at number five. But if there was ever a team, you know, fuck that 12-0 and UCF or national championship team. They weren't that good. <laughs> Cincinnati just is that good. Um, unfortunately, if they okay, if they make um, the playoff, it's going to be at number four, and they're going to be playing Georgia or Alabama, which is tough. But It's still progress. You know, they're going to lose, so, but it's, so a, it's me... a landmark occasion. And I think, as I said before, this season makes a really good case to expand the playoff. But go ahead, Tony. So let me let me ask you guys this. Um, say you are on the committee 
of deciding who's in the college football playoff. Do you take an Oregon team who beats Arizona State and is a one-loss Pac-12 championship or champion um, over Cincinnati, or do you take an undefeated Cincinnati who beats Notre Dame and that's their kind of like biggest win? Assuming how, assuming that uh, one of these uh, two Big Ten teams in the top four is there uh, when the uh, selection happens uh, at number three. It depends on how both Cincinnati and that Pac-12 team uh, play the rest of their games. If Cincinnati wins just looks like the better team, like on all aspects of football, uh, I think you got to put them in. Uh, But I think if Oregon does and they win – the Pac-12 handily, I think the Pac-12 is a tougher division than, uh, or tougher conference than Cincinnati has. So I think they get the slight nod and Cincinnati moves down to five just due to the fact that they have a win against one ranked team. So it, so Travis, before you answer, um, I will add that, um, UCLA and Arizona state are going to be, Probably the team that Oregon sees in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, And these are, you know, definitely probably tougher teams than uh, Cincinnati's going to see for the rest of the season. And say Oregon, Oregon just destroys these teams, right? And they have one loss and Cincinnati's undefeated. How do you score this? So, uh, to the point that Cincinnati has beat one ranked team, they have beat one ranked team as of now. I think That's there's a true. solid chance that SMU, who they play second to last week of the season, yep. stays ranked. Um, and the biggest thing for me, if Cincinnati's 12-0, and uh, they don't let teams get close. There's no entertaining uh, a last drive. You get a touchdown, you win the game against Cincinnati. You're down. You're down a couple scores. And you need a, a little bit of that uh, miracle sprinkle on the end of your game in order to beat this team. They just they don't play games. They don't play teams close. Uh, they don't let teams hang around. They just beat people. And I think Cincinnati's twelve and zero. It is a it's a sham to not let them in. Um, and just give them a chance. Okay. If they get beat sixty five to zero, think about it harder next time. You know, or, okay, you made the wrong decision, but you were put in a box because of the size of the playoff. Um, and I think maybe that that's the way you go forward from there. So, uh, from the position I'm sitting in, um, I know Cincinnati is joining the Big 12. Yep. Um, but I think if you really want the respect, you got you got to be in the Power 5. And um, honestly, I think if a one-loss Oregon team wins the Pac-12 championship, which will go through the route of either UCLA twice or Arizona State in the championship, if they if they are at one loss, I think deserves in over Cincinnati because they are not playing in a big conference. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the traditional argument, and it has its merits. I get it. The level of competition, you know, one of the things I, 
I had in my notes for this podcast is that Cincinnati's schedule is easy as all hell for the rest of the year, um, with the exception of SMU, who's a good team and could be ranked when they play them. Um, but if they're ranked, they're going to be bottom 10. So, you know, how much weight does that carry? Realistically, it's not very much. But I would just, personally, I would really like to see it, but I think the likelihood of Cincinnati being in the in the top four at the end of the year is, yeah. is not good, even even if they're a 12-0 team. Um, just because Power 5 historically just carries so much weight uh, with the college football playoff, and there's still the chance that a one-loss Ohio State team is a Big Ten is the Big Ten champion, and that is like if I, if, I mean, I, if Ohio State if Ohio State is and, in and, sniffing distance of the college football playoff, the committee's letting them in. And that's another thing that like people really aren't talking about is they're hyping up, you know, Iowa. They're hyping up Penn State, and they forget that like. Or uh, Ohio State lost one game extremely closely to a team they put number three in the nation. And um, I, even though things might be swinging towards them record-wise, I do think Ohio State is still the best team in the Big Ten. Ohio State still has to go through Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State, though. Yeah, and I I sort of agree to disagree on that point. Like, you know, Ohio State is a good football team, and they're going to be in the conversation come the end of the year. Uh, I don't know. If, I just if they win their division, if they win the yeah, Big Ten East, they they have to win the Big Ten. In order to be in the conversation, that's kind of that's kind of where okay, they're at, um, and I and and so that's where I'm coming from is, and I think they will. Like as much as I I really would love to see Harbaugh and Michigan beat Ohio State for the first time, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. I think Harbaugh has his best chance in his tenure at Michigan. I just I don't see it actually happening. And I still see Ohio State with their one loss to Oregon winning the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's on the table. Uh, I think Ohio State is kind of ha- has kind of been pushed aside, oddly enough, at this point. But th- they're going to be there at the end, and they're not going to be an easy team to beat. Uh, the road to the Big Ten championship goes through Columbus. Um, and we'll see how that shakes out. I hope they lose because I really don't like Ohio State and I'm kind of tired of them. But, you know, it, it it's not likely. Like, like it's not a, the most likely thing in the fucking world. For, from my standpoint, um, I see Iowa finishing at the bottom or outside of the top ten. I think they're a good football team. I just – they're not in the – the championship discussion. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I think they win this week uh, and potentially pick up a loss in the Big Ten Championship to Ohio State um, or whoever. If Iowa wins this week, they're they're definitely in the championship. Like, 
like this is going to be the number one game I watch, even though I'm going to be down in Florida. I'm going to be at Disney World, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be watching this game in line. But um, yeah, yeah, this is a great game to watch. But um, I think Penn State's going to end up beating Iowa. You guys want to talk about Kentucky losing to Florida? Uh, yeah, I do because correction. Um, what the Florida losing happened? to Kentucky? Oh yeah, my I am sorry. I am sorry. Uh, Look, all, all, all there really is to say about that is uh, Florida is falling apart. That's it. That's Gator that's gonna it, Gator. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, it happened last year. We we watched a Florida team almost beat the undisputed number one in the country, Alabama. Um, heavily disputed. And then, uh, as an Alabama then, fan, I dispute that. I, too. I wouldn't say heavily disputed. There, there's Georgia and there's dogs Alabama. by and ninety, my boy. Ooh, no. Yeah, and and then there's then hot take. And then there's you know fifty takes of nothing in there. But we watch Florida almost do that. And then what happens? What 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 happened in this game? In which Florida gave Alabama a run for their money, but not not this. Dude, year. it's the same thing that happened last year. Sometimes Florida just has a good old fashioned fuck around and yeah. loses a game. It's sometimes it's what Florida does. Sometimes it's LSU fifty seven yards in the motherfucking fog, and you're and LSU's <laughs> kickers running down the sideline doing the Gator Chomp. Uh, by the way, the most electric <laughs> moment of college football last year, just watching that dude run down the sideline chomping. Uh, you Love can find that game on Sally. YouTube. Uh, probably. Just fast forward to the end and watch that man kick a field goal from almost 60 yards away without being able to see what he's kicking at. That's all you need to know. <laughs> he could not see. And he was just like, you know what? If I kick the ball straight, it's going to go in. And sure as shit, it did. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you choose the feet and sometimes you choose the yeet. Uh <laughs> Like like I like I don't know like um like when when we're looking at upsets like Stanford beating Oregon was something I thought was possible, but Florida losing I, I think to th- Kentucky I Kentucky think is a I, basketball I, school yeah like Vanderbilt I, I thought this was I thought even though Oregon was ranked a lot higher and playing an unranked team I thought. This Kentucky Florida game was the most surprising. I mean, nah. I like a little bit, but in hindsight, it's like this is the shit that Florida does. Yeah, but like going into the game, I never would have called Kentucky getting the upset. But yeah, I, I saw Florida it, losing it again. I some, didn't see it, them losing to, to Kentucky, Kentucky, which like, Kentucky's like I was saying, but. Yeah, quietly, yeah, very a, quietly, five yeah. and zero. As as it should very be, a quiet five and zero. <laughs> yeah, because it's gonna be a quiet five and seven come the end of the year. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, like Kentucky is the we're a basketball school, just like Vanderbilt is the we're a baseball school of the SEC. Like they just don't do shit like this, <laughs> but they did it. I mean, you know, it's it's what, but it's more of a Florida thing than a Kentucky thing, in yeah. my opinion. But uh, it, I mean, it was a shocker. But uh, I don't think it means that much. I think Florida's going to keep winning. They're going to finish out probably a two-loss team, maybe a three-loss team. I also agree um, Florida's going to bounce back from this, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. But uh, they they took an embarrassing loss 
Ooh, I don't know about that force to be reckoned with business, no. but they're. <laughs> I don't, we'll we'll see what happens. They're down not the road. a we lose to Kentucky level of team. They just did that, but you know, they're they'll be all right. Like I said, they came a drive away from beating Alabama. Yeah, like like I said, they're. We'll we'll see what this. Florida, they're gonna finish out a two loss team. Uh, and and two like, like I said, they like have Alabama, to play Georgia. Like um, I know Backus as an Alabama fan couldn't take that old Miss. We're gonna obliterate them just out of jinxing. Not, not even out of jinxing. I truly, then, truly did not believe that was gonna happen. I did not believe so, that it was gonna. And happen. then Travis, uh, I I don't know what you got you into that, but uh, I I I just knew that fucking Alabama was gonna. Destroy well, I mean, them. what got me into that is is what happened last year with with in my opinion a. Slightly worse Ole Miss team and a slightly, um, I'd say probably pretty significantly better Alabama team. Yeah. Uh, and Ole Miss losing by eleven. That that's what got me into the Ole Miss is going to cover fourteen and a half type mindset. I didn't think they were going to win by any means, but I thought they would cover that spread. They very I didn't clearly think did not. Lane Kiffin was going to uh, get out coached. Uh, he doesn't no, so do that. I very saw often. fourteen yeah. and a half. <laughs> I saw fourteen and a half, and I was like, okay. There's at least Alabama by two touchdowns. Sorry, I, I thought Lane Kiffin was going to get out coached because it's Nick Saban. I didn't know he was going to get out coached like that. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, like like I said, like I'm a Pac-12 fan, and uh, Lane Kiffin in the Pac-12 got abandoned at the airport. Yeah, yeah upon retrospect, <laughs> it's it's a very Lane Kiffin thing to do. He did it at Tennessee, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, you guys want to move on to this week? Yeah, let's let's let's, let's, let's get yeah let's this let's let's we're, talk we're, some upcoming matchups. So, uh, two teams coming off getting waffle stomped, Ole Miss Arkansas. Uh, I'm giving Ole Miss yep. the edge. Ole Miss game. is uh, I uh, I I really think that Arkansas got a lot overrated by beating Texas A&M, who is a team that was very overrated at that point. And um, I think Arkansas is going to be a 500 to slightly above 500 team. Yeah, I mean, and the the line kind of tells the story in this one, right? It's uh, you know, it's 13 Arkansas playing 17 Old Miss, uh, and Old Miss is favored uh, by six points. So I I think Old Miss gets the win here. Um, Old Miss is. I, I think they cover points? that spread by a lot too. Yeah. Yep. I I like like if if I'm betting. Um, I think Ole Miss yeah. covers that spread by a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's uh, definitely one of the more interesting matchups this week. I think no, it, it's an interesting matchup, but like I said, like Arkansas got really overrated by beating Texas A and M. Yeah, they who is about to be a three and three. Yeah, team, um, who should have been a two and four team because they should have lost to. Fucking Colorado, which is just, just like I, disgusting. I watched. I watched that whole game, and that's when I decided that like Texas A and M wasn't a good team, which is why I wasn't convinced on Arkansas rolling into the Georgia game. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just thought Arkansas was gonna. I mean, eighteen and a half fucking points is like huge. 
Like, it is the most, in my opinion, it was the most disrespectful spread I'd seen since Indiana-Ohio State last year, which was 21-and-a-half, and Indiana lost by a touchdown to Ohio State. So, And um, I, I really want you guys to recognize right now how much you disrespected the oh, Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, yeah, 100%. Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, underestimated, disrespected, yep. all those words apply. Um, They are uh, fucking legit. Like that's no, no. There, there, there's D two team teams to in the national championship discussion, and it's Alabama. And yeah, it's like uh, me and Backers were talking about this earlier. There's the the top twenty five is very close knit, uh, from three to fifteen or so. One and two are one well, and one two, and two are, are on a are, different uh, level. <laughs> They're in a league of their own. Yeah, the the Mariana Trench separates <laughs> two and three this year, um, which is why I am so excited to watch the SEC championship. Yeah, things are things are shaping up to be pretty interesting come the end of this year. But uh, moving past that, oh, begrudgingly, I don't even want to speak of this game. I just want it to come on and I want to watch it happen. Um, the goddamn Red <laughs> River shootout. It's not the Red River rivalry because that's too hard to say. They changed it from shootout for political correctness reasons. It's the Red River shootout. It's Texas OU. OU looks like shit. Okay. Texas looks like they found their stride. I'm excited. Th- I'm is... so excited. I can't wear I can't I'm, wear my uh... Colt McCoy jersey for this game because the last time I wore it, Texas lost to Arkansas, so I'm gonna just be in plain clothes for this one. But <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> so um, I am a you know this podcast resident Pac-12 fan. <laughs> yeah, as duly noted. But duly as my noted. as my ups as my upset of the week. Hey, hey spoilers! Spoilers! Home, spoilers! Are we not moving into this? No, no, we're just, we're just talking matchups. But yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, well, fuck it. I've already fucking laid my pipeline out. <laughs> just lay um, pipe. My upset of the week. I always lay down pipe on only three hundred plus pound bitches. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I got I got Texas winning this. Uh, Oklahoma. God, I fucking hope overrated. so. And like, like it's close, right? Because uh, I think Texas is very underrated, and Oklahoma is very overrated. But I think they're almost in the same category. I think they're almost around the best thirteenth team in the country. I think. I think Texas is a completely different animal. Uh, post-Hudson Card. Hudson Card, I get why Steve Sarkeesian went with him at the beginning of the year. Right, He's more athletic. He's more that, you know, prototypical playmaker, can make the throw, can can get the running yards and all that. Um, I get why Sark went with him at the beginning of the year. But it was seen in the Arkansas game exceptionally clearly. Texas had zero points on the board. And once again, uh, a burnt orange number 11 walked onto the field and found a way to put the Longhorns in the end zone. Not one, not two, but three times. Uh, and and since then, it's been the Casey Thompson show, and he has not disappointed. 
Uh, talked about it last week. So at Texas, legitimately put up double-digit touchdowns on Texas Tech. Uh, granted, we let them score five times, but that's not important because it's the Big Twelve and that shit's gonna happen. Uh, like we we haven't lost since Casey Thompson's been a starter. Knock on some wood, real heavy there. Uh, it, Texas is is a different team than when than the team that lost to Arkansas. Um, I'm excited. I, so this after is, the Arkansas loss, um, I was ready to write just Texas off. But they've uh, they've impressed me in their last few games, whereas Oklahoma has very much looked like they're struggling as a top ten team in the nation. Oklahoma is is treading and, water and getting tired. That's <laughs> and you know, I I think I think this game just goes to the home team, which happens to be well, Texas. So and I think Texas, so sort of this is the the it's in Texas the Texas OU game. <laughs> Is a is a neutral site game halfway between Norman and Austin, which is in Dallas. So it's neutral site. Texas is technically okay, home team. That's a Texas yeah. game. Uh, that's a Texas Tony, game, by the way. This, Tony, listen, let me I think let Texas me walks let me drop some this. Big Twelve on you. Uh, that stadium every year for this game is split at the fifty yard line. One half is burnt orange. One half is crimson. That's like that's how this game is. I think okay, much so much so, like. You said this game's being played at a neutral site. I'm assuming that's a Jerry. No, it's no. it's uh, in the Cotton Bowl every year. Okay, so it's not a Jerry World, but uh, I'm I'm still giving it to Texas. I think they walk away with a borderline win. I, I look, all I'm all I I'm am, really hoping for. Call, is I am making the, a call because I have to. I'm calling Texas in this game, but I think like any other rivalry game. Just like the Iron Bowl, just like Michigan and Ohio State, uh, none of that matters because this is the game that both those teams have circled on their schedule every year. This is the one game that matters. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah. The, like, like, this is the biggest so rivalry. The only Oklahoma, reason Tom Herman got three years as the University of Texas' head coach is because in 2018 he beat OU. That's exactly. it. Like, that's right. it. And that was on the back of Sam Ellinger uh, accounting for five fucking touchdowns in that game, because he's an absolute dog. <laughs> uh, but Oklahoma yeah, I mean, has a it's it's the game I circle every year. It's the game every Texas fan, every OU fan circles because it's the only one that matters. Uh, I don't care if Texas loses eleven games a year. If they win one and it's against OU, I'm happy. I do not care. <laughs> I I don't know. Um, but uh, we're uh. We're hitting pretty late in this podcast. Uh, how about we start hitting our uh, our our dogs of the week? Oh, hold hold on. Did did, did we talk about you, our Travis. top five matchup? Penn State Iowa. Not a whole lot to talk about there, but we okay. we did talk about yeah. it. There's there's not too much to say. Honestly, it's going to be a hell of a game. Um, if I think Penn State wins, uh, I got day. Iowa because it's in Iowa. Yep. Uh, I'm taking the home team, and I think Iowa potentially embarrasses Penn State. Um, okay, I disagree, but uh, yeah. we will We're moving move on. on to to upset alerts here. Uh, Tony, we already kind of talked about yours, but if you just want to go ahead and make the call. So, yeah, uh, my, my upset of the week is Texas over Oklahoma. Um, I just – I think this is a team at home. I think this is a team that is – winning a lot 
they suffered a pretty bad loss to a conference that they're about to join, which I don't agree with, but they're doing it anyway. But um, I think they end up beating Oklahoma. All right, Baggis, what's on the what's on the ticket for you? I got Syracuse beating Wake Forest, five and zero, number Ooh. nineteen, Wake Forest. Spicy uh, because it's the ACC a game. A, That's a game everyone's gonna tune into. I'm yeah. sure. It's it's the ACC, and if anyone dares to tell me they know how the ACC is gonna work out this year, I'm calling you a liar because you are one. Who knows? ACC's wide the fuck open this year. The ACC is less relevant than the Pac-12 this year. Yeah. Because Clemson's gone. Correct. <laughs> no one's letting Wake Forest in the college football playoff. Don't care. Ooh, Doesn't matter. 12 0 Wake Forest? No. <laughs> no, it's, it's not, not happening. Because, like, like because you said, Syracuse might because be. Because the them. ACC is bad. And if, if you have a like chance of Syracuse beating you, uh, you don't belong in the. Yeah, um, mine. It's only an upset because of the uh, the AP rankings. It's Ole Miss seventeen beating thirteen Arkansas. Um, Ole Miss is favored in the lines, but they're not favored in the rankings. Um, and I think Ole Miss is definitely going to come out with a win. Okay, and like I agree with you, only because uh, Arkansas has been completely overhyped. Mainly because of their win over Texas A&M, who have proven to be a uh, not good team. Correct. Agree 100% with that statement. Um, but just uh, just real quick, closing thoughts on some lines this week. Uh, Penn State, Iowa got an over of 40 and a half. Um, Penn State, nah. I'll take yep, the over. Penn State and Iowa both showed the ability to score points. Um, so I think that's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be a, a pretty good shootout, but I think Penn State. I am it. taking the under due to Iowa's defense. You're taking the under on forty. Yeah, that's a tough call, but uh, <laughs> sure. Um, and then we've got Texas plus three and a half and Texas money line. It's plus one forty-five. It's not that juicy, but uh, as far as underdogs go, Texas has a pretty good chance my opinion also that plus three and a half could come down to a field goal so if it comes down to a field goal uh texas will taking texas with the points will pan out um the over was not particularly fantastic just because oklahoma has shown the ability to not score that much but also not let teams score that much uh and it's 63 and a half which is pretty typical of this game uh most years that would pretty much be a lock, but uh, I think this year it's it's definitely definitely a pretty hard pass. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for college football. There's not there's not too much going on this week as far as uh, gambling goes. It's kind of a a down week from last week, which is pretty a lot of enticing stuff across the board. Yeah, I mean uh, we're looking at you know, a lot of mediocre games this week, whereas we had a lot of high-profile stuff last week. Yeah, I mean, there's... Honestly, the the three best games are, are Arkansas, Old Miss, Penn State, Iowa, and Texas OU. Like, that's that's what you got this week. Those are the ones you want to watch. Um, but, yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in, if you did. 
yeah we're uh we're moving into the conclusion and uh you know remember fuck whoever you can drink whatever <laughs> you have and uh this has been djs win championships uh yeah dwc signing off this is travis i'm bacchus this is tony <laughs>